Good maniacs. I think those audio levels, things like that. There's always these little things that happen when I start a show. And like another thing, there won't be any live clicking chat. But welcome to uh, the Gunnerm Explained show live. I'm your host, Adam Blue. Joining me is Steven. Steven, how's it going? Pretty good. Yeah, you know, hanging in there. Um, cool. Yeah. And I'm excited like about I tonight. said, what's up? I said I'm excited about tonight. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot, and like I'm gonna frame it here real quick. Where I'm gonna talk about what we got, what I've been up to this week, some little gaming stuff, and then we're gonna get into like some P Bandai releases and some cool Gundams that come out of that. Um, yeah, these but, th these reissue drops have been insane. Yeah, it's these things that I think we've all been wanting and we're and scouring eBay for, and it's like, oh no, they're available. So yeah. And you and I are like their 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 chief marketing people because it's like, look, I'm gonna show you guys why you should buy the 0088 Zeta. Okay, here's this is do not miss this pre-order. You if know, you haven't really got paid for this. Like, <laughs> yeah. can you imagine? I know. No, but um, it, you know, for today, those that watch live or even um watch the video, not listen, I usually have the chat pop up, but something happened, so that's not gonna happen on this episode. Um, so I'll try to watch the chat. I love what you guys yeah. say usually, but yeah, we see we'll Robert definitely read some stuff. Atronimus, uh, Hyena Mage, uh, Talos, Ian, Aoshi san. Good to see you guys. Um, so Steven, our show yesterday, uh, or on your, uh, uh, on your channel. Awesome. Like, again, it was like going into, yeah. you know, gaming and stuff. We're talking about live service. Hell Divers, uh, two is out and it's very popular. And I wanted to add real quick. So, guys, after this, check that episode out to kind of see what we were talking about in terms of like live service games. And we talked a little bit about what we'd want out of Gundam. It was it was really cool. But, um, um, I was going somewhere with that, and it was really good, and I totally <laughs> forgot. Um, but it happens. No, you know what? It's funny because I've had such a long day today. I was like, what did we talk about on my show yesterday? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it takes a second. No, but that stuff's always good. And today we'll talk a little bit about games um, because there's actually some news. So not only, you know, we were talking about live service, what's going on in the industry, uh, th that Xbox podcast came out. They announced that there are four titles that are going to be multi-platform. None of them are their big titles, like Indiana Jones. Uh, or, But they said maybe in the future down the line, but they know, and like even Sony announced today, they're going all PC. Like mm -hmm. these companies are now having to make their um, games multi-platform. And, um, you know, and what, I mean, and let's face it, like Microsoft didn't buy all of these publishers like Bethesda and stuff so that they could make multi-platform games. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you it, know, it, they, they were going for console exclusives and they're probably still going to. But yeah, and not only that, from the time that they were planning to do this till now, the industry has completely changed where even with what they did, now they have to figure out how to leverage that to shift into however things are in the future. They did announce that they are working on the next gen console and that there will be a hardware announcement uh, this winter, which I'm assuming is going to be the handheld. So uh, yeah, cool stuff. <laughs> you're 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 sticking to your guns on this. You're like it's it's gonna it's be a handheld. <laughs> and plus, I like how they they announced those things separately. They said there's a hardware announcement uh, for this winter, but also we're working on the next gen console. Yeah, like, so it, it 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 informs you that there are two distinct things happening, and not yeah. just like a bait and switch. <laughs> but you know what? It, that. I think this is related to Gundam because what I want to share now real quick, I'm going to 
do the screen share here real quick. Uh, this is from Shinobi602, kind of a prominent video game insider. And I've I've actually been an acquaintance with him for all, actually it was a long time ago. We haven't talked much recently once I've shifted from games to Gundam. But he uh, found this, uh, I guess Bandai uh, released this. I, I can't read it. Maybe I could translate it, but I was lazy. He's, though, saying that Bandai Namco has canceled five titles in development. And these might have not been um, announced. Let's see. And uh, it's following losses in the prior quarter. Uh, Sony saw the same thing. They're seeing a, um, what was it, a 25% uh, decrease in what their expectations were. Um, And then they're going to have new evaluation rules and stricter pillars for greenlighting new games. But I got to say, I don't know about you, Stephen, but I feel like Gundam games are probably in a different vertical they're more of okay this is sustaining our plastic sales you know <laughs> instead of really like yeah. if, if banking on video games to make money yeah i mean the the thing about gundam video games is yes they are never going to be the primary sales driver but they also have a very low overhead too um comparatively speaking like yeah. they they still obviously cost you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce but you know a gundam game like you said, there's that double A category of game, and it feels like Gundam games always fall in the double A category. They're never going to be, you know, a massive release. And, um, and you know, that's kind of a good thing. And, you know, there's supposed to be a Gundam release this year. I don't think that was the canceled one because it was supposed to come out last year. Right. And so I think it's more of they're just finding the right time due to multiple games being pushed because of COVID. So then games that were not affected by the COVID development are affected by the COVID just release schedule being pushed. So mm-hmm. anyway, just want to bring that up. I thought that was interesting. And like, if we were to guess what would be canceled, that would be Bandai Namco related. I'm, and I could be wrong on this, but I would think it would be like um, uh, something that was like an original IP, original original idea. Probably. Um, yeah, no, I, I love that the image here has like, you know, Goku on the flying Nimbus. And it's like, I'm, I sincerely doubt that their DBZ games have been right. shelved. Like uh, Little Nightmares, they've made three of them. It, they could make a fourth because I think this is lower budget. So I would almost think they wouldn't cancel that. Then there's yeah. that Scarlet Nexus. There could have been like something like that where it's just this unique IP that they're just like, yeah, we can't. And, and I have to say, the thing that makes me the saddest about this announcement is that it is that little part at the end where they're saying like that they're going to be much more stringent about green lighting games, because yeah. I really don't think that the problem is the games that they've greenlit. I think that the problem is and we discussed this yesterday is publisher interference with, you know, quality games. You know, there's nothing wrong with banking all of your games on a popular IP like Suicide Squad or the Avengers. But the problem is you can't shoehorn a popular IP into a monetization model. You know, a lot of these games that are live service games are, you know, games built on the monetization model, not games that were modified to fit a yeah, yeah, you see what I'm getting at. Like, like yeah. I said yesterday, it's a square peg in a round hole. And, um, you know, I think that clearly the economy is showing that, you know, gamers just aren't going for it anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I just can't wait for the real Gundam game announcement they've got. Um, yeah. Okay, real quick. We're going to get back to video games, but because uh, some of this is related. Uh, stuff that I got into this week. If you missed it, I have a video up on the G Savior CD soundtrack that came out, which is I love it. hilarious. Um, did you <laughs> used to have a lot of CDs, like a big CD collection? I did. So I'm pretty sure my memory does not is is not what it used to be obviously being being an old man but i want to say that the first cd i purchased was either enema of the state by blink 182 or uh blue by third eye blind one of those two cds i distinctly remember buying it from like a walmart or a kmart that's pretty neat i I, this wasn't one i bought but i think my parents I remember they bought me like the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. Um, <laughs> and then I think the Ninja Turtles movie soundtrack. And then some I bought on my own. I have no idea. I just know that when I was in middle school, I was really into hip hop. Oh, and, yeah. Like I would get um, who who was it back then? It would be stuff like Mr. P. Uh, older. <laughs> oh, yeah. Master P. Yeah. Uh, probably like Nas. And, yes. and I guess, yeah. you know, what what is. What is uh, Puff Daddy going by nowadays? Oh, is it just yeah, Diddy? Diddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sean Daddy, That was another one. <laughs> yeah, back then. That yeah, I was really into hip hop for a little bit. I I think I liked it because it it was interesting. Where it, th- that was a time where hip hop was kind of shifting to where it would be almost melodic, like dancier type of hip hop. You know, it was still talking about things that I could not relate to, but it's, <laughs> but you know, um, even like that Jay-Z song that's in rush hour is like, can I get a what, what, or something like that? Like that, that style of hip hop, like I was really into. Um, I mean, but- that was like a whole, you know, there was a whole generation there of like the late nineties and early 20 aughts that like, almost every movie was designed to sell a soundtrack or to sell an album. Like I only recently realized this when it wasn't the first Austin powers movie, but I think it was either the second or third one. I was watching it with my wife like a couple months ago and I was like, Oh my God, this thing is just packed with like Britney Spears songs and like all these. And I'm like, you know, it's it's like those MTV produced movies. That's like, they obviously produced a movie specifically to cram a bunch of, artists that they wanted to give a big push to yeah and that's interesting where you don't see that anymore it's where a movie is promoting itself by getting a bunch of artists and make i remember that's when i first discovered the offspring because they were on the batman forever soundtrack <laughs> which where where do they belong in yeah the batman because, forever soundtrack? because on it they just did a cover of a damned song which is a band from the 70s and 80s yeah. and so I, I like yeah i remember yeah that and then seal was on that yeah soundtrack and, right and then yeah it was from there where that was like kind of the normal and that was the thing like back in the day when it was like i would get a movie soundtrack i'd buy it and it would be the pop songs yeah. and it took me a while to realize oh there's a score that's that's what you call the the soundtrack i really want it's the score um which yeah. you know hey bring it full circle remember one of the things from the nhk documentary on the creation of the original gundam was that fans of the original Gundam series wanted the Gundam soundtrack and so you know the composer had to take these like 20 30 second little clips and stretch them out into two three minute tracks (laughs) yeah that's interesting because in general Japan I think they they do that same thing but I think they 
I don't want to say they take it more seriously. What would be the term? They have it in a higher regard because they will have a a a pop a popular singer kind of make the main sort of like a theme or the main like this is the song. Whereas like some of the soundtracks for Hollywood films are just here's a bunch of artists making a bunch of songs. You know? Right. And, yeah. They, they it's like they specifically commission an artist to write a song yeah. for the film as opposed to just taking one of their hits and slapping it in the movie. And something else, I don't know if you know this or I don't know if this is true. Sometimes when I'll read YouTube comments of a video of like a Gundam song that an artist made, people will like talk about the lyrics and how, oh, that relates. And I don't know if that's deliberate. Do you think artists are deliberately writing lyrics to match themes of the shows? I mean, I have to say that, um, what is that? There's that song in Unicorn where literally one of the lines in the song is, I'm a unicorn. And I was like, well, that I really don't think that she meant to write that lyric unless it was specifically for Gundam Unicorn. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, and, and Talos is saying very often Gundam music, uh, Gundam uses music that fits the theme. So that's pretty yeah, cool. And, uh, into that Aoshi san, yes, it's the R E I M, yeah, or Re I M. Is that is that in Unicorn? It is, yeah. Ah, I think okay. it's by Aimer. Okay, yeah, I. I've recently in the past couple months have grown a greater appreciation for the unicorn score. Like there's that song. It's just called, I think mobile suit battle or something, or maybe <laughs> yeah. just mobile suit. And it's like, it's orchestrated music, but then it has like the rock drums that come in and I love it when stuff does that. So, um, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, the, so uh, yeah, I want to bring up the CD thing because also um, I also up until about 2011, had a huge, huge plastic bin, and I can't even fit my hands on the screen to show, but a huge plastic bin full of CDs, and I remember I took it to one of those, uh, I don't know what they call it anymore, you know, there's used places where you can, and I got yeah. a ton of money, not a ton, but I got a pretty good amount, but I had like, it was, there was, because I, yeah, end of high school, I was so into music, I was buying CDs all the time of like all my favorite bands, ripping them all i had this whole collection on my computer i'm like well i'm just gonna sell all this because that was around the time my wife and i were first moving in with each other so i was like i'm gonna just sell the stuff Downsize. i don't need because yeah. i was like i don't need cds i even sold my dvds <laughs> i had a huge dvd collection because you know like when blockbuster was going out of business you could like go in there and oh, yeah grab a bunch of movies and and like now it's funny because here we are years later and it's like no physical media like buy all the cds <laughs> i know it's it's weird um, well, I still um, have one of those, like one of those obnoxious, like zipper cases that has like all of my DVDs and, oh, and yeah. video games because my wife said like, we can't have this bookshelf full of cases anymore. Like pick the ones th that you really want to keep the cases and everything else is going in the, in the binder. And that I respect that because I think we sometimes, as long as you actually have the media, luckily it's all condensed physically, you know, I, yeah, yeah. Although, you know, like I said, there's something to be said about, and and maybe this is just the hoarder in me but like there's oh. the packaging of it and you know video game instruction manuals that is like a lost art oh, um especially for gundam games like uh, i still have the Xeonic front ps2 instruction manual because it's got like the character bios for like rower and swaggered and uh schmitzer and, and like the oh man it's well i'm glad you brought that up because this just came in the mail you know i did a little I was just kind of showing the setup for the Gundam Wii game uh, on yeah. using an emulator. I made a video about that. Um, but, you know, a lot of times I like to buy the game if I can. And this wasn't expensive. Sweet. 
the thing is, though, that we need to do, and maybe as a community, we can work on that, <laughs> is this game has a side story of characters. And I don't think this has ever been translated or used wow. in any other form. Like, this is a whole story uh, that I don't think, yeah, I have. So, again, I like that, you know, the it has so much going on in here. <laughs> I, I should try <laughs> to translate what I can because look at the look at the waifus. Okay, we've got another <laughs> redhead there. We got a blue head. I don't know what that means, but no. And then we have the Zeon team too. So it's like you get some new characters from yeah, both I love sides. It. Um, and so this, and what's interesting too is this looks like a unique type of art style for Gundam, right? I would say so. When I mean, especially like that that GM sniper in the background has like this very airbrushed quality to it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then there's the Dom right here. Yeah. So yeah, I um yeah, I'm gonna have to translate this because I haven't seen anywhere that uh the story and I don't understand the story. It's all in Japanese. I and I mean all credit to uh Zionic Scanlations for all the work that he does. I mean oh yeah, but you know, for God's sakes, can someone please help him out? Like, can we can, can well, we crowd Patreon? He does have a Patreon, so, yes. Yeah, and then but he's only I, one man. You know, I think that there right. needs to be like a team of of translators that's well, uh, working on some of these lost Gundam abandoned. It's not abandoned where I guess, but you know well, what I mean. Abandoned yeah, media. There's got to be a term for that. Things that were never like Westernized, you know, or trans like that are just lost. Because I did find, and I have to go back and find the link somewhere. There was a, a Gundam fan on Twitter that does translating. Uh, you just pay him. Like, you tell him what you need to translate, you pay him, and he'll do it. And I was like, oh, That's I might want to use him for, yeah, the that and for some video games. Uh, some Like, for instance, the 3DS um, Gundam game. I would love to work with someone to get that emulated, or emulated, translated, you know, to have like a patch yeah. for the ROM or whatever. Um, by the way, no, I do you... remember. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, were you you said you were playing the 3DS game? Yes, I did start playing it at, at your recommendation. Okay, and that cool. game is fantastic. Okay, good. <laughs> I am glad that you, you get to experience it and understand. Like there's yeah. something about it that makes it seem like a a triple A game on a 3DS. Yeah, it's it's really good. And I mean, like you said, the graphics really hold up for for what they are, you know. It's it's like all of those Gundam PS2 games, you know, the they're low poly, but they they put so much love and so much detail into the textures that you really don't even notice it. And it seems like they use a lot of effects where they can effects to kind of highlight whether it's like bloom or a type of shading. There's always something to kind of make it look nicer than it is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> have you gotten far in it? Not too far. Um, you know, I've only kind of been playing off and on. I think what was the mission I left off on? Because it is, it is kind of, it gets grindy. Like, there's a lot of missions just over and over and over, and then after a while, you'll be at one that's hard, and then you kind of got to go back and grind a little. And, I mean, even, I, I didn't even get very far before I started going back because I was like, well, I just unlocked a new Zaku, so, of course, I'm going to go back and oh, try to turn that. Dion. That's oh, I you, forgot. of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I forgot you're a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, because even if I beat it on the Federation side, then there's the whole zeon side to do so that game is packed it is and, and yeah. I, I love that um you know the this is something that i think video games don't really do anymore where you have like 
you get to create your own character. It sounds stupid when I say it that way, because obviously it's like, oh, you can create your own character in like Elden Ring and Baldur's Gate 3. But there's something unique about the character creation system in some of these like older Gundam titles where it's like, you know, you get to pick your your pilot and then you get to pick like your operator. And, you know, yeah, the 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 whole like character creation system is pretty unique. Yeah, I like that. It's almost like you're attached to this pilot because you're choosing the name, you're choosing the profile. Like there's a few different options. And then I've noticed while you're playing, when you're yeah choosing a mission, it actually allows you to change pilots to like, depending on if it's it's real world, like it could be Camille, yeah. for instance, if you're on, or Amaro. If, so it's neat how you could play it as your own character, but then you can choose to make it canon and be, um, yeah. and it helps too, because yeah, when you're a new type character, you have extra powers, so. True um now it does you know if you choose to be a new type you end up like locking off a whole bunch of skills that you could have used if you were a non-new type which i think is so cool and and i love that it shows it to you like one of the things about certain games is it's like if you choose a certain class or something like that it doesn't show you what you're missing out on Mm -hmm. this game like will show you hey here are all the skills that you choose things Yeah, yeah you've got like a grid of skills that you can add and it's like oh you can't add any of these because you're a new type (laughs) yeah so technically then that game could be played through four times to get the ultimate experience being a new type or a non-new type um and then either faction yeah and then you know uh to continue with the video games i got a new controller again hey so it was just this was 40 dollars on amazon and i was like oh that's a case i thought it was just a huge controller (laughs) (laughs) no the case which is nice because this is 40 dollars and then here's the uh, the controller itself, and it has LEDs on it. Um, it awesome. Yeah, it's really nice. Like, it has trigger stops. It has the back buttons, which I'm starting to like more now. Um, Hall effect uh, triggers and thumbsticks. But another thing, it has on the thumbsticks, it came with the, uh, you know, those, you've probably seen, seen them around, like control freaks or like the grip, thumb grip tops. Yeah. I have never believed in that thinking there's no i don't need that and then i wanted to try it for fun on this because i was like well i paid for it and i saw the light (laughs) i having my thumbs slightly raised and and having more of that grip on the surface it really helps me fine-tune things so then i bought some more so on my main driver i found these for seven bucks on amazon to put on top and i can't go back Look, all, all I'm saying is that there is nothing that beats the dog snout. Okay, this is this is all you need. This is all you need is a dog's nose on, on underneath each of your thumbs. You do not well, need. And so that's another good point because I've always disliked that sort of shape for on PlayStation uh, uh, analog sticks. But then I realized it's because them being up, but then further down on the pad and closer together was what made it hard for me Mm. once i could get that you know separated like oh wait here's something funny i got these for the uh (laughs) you'll shock five but like you know credit where it's due when you when you get into something you go all in oh i do i want to know about it so i can like properly speak on it when i'm at a party with my drink and someone's like oh thumb grips on uh on controllers eh it's like oh let me tell you yeah yeah, that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> but I, I would say, guys, if 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 you and I don't, I wonder if this also too helps my thumbs in the long run. Like I, 
there's only been one time I think from playing video games that my thumbs ever started hurting and I just applied ice. I think it was like for a few minutes, uh, every few minutes for like 30 minutes or something and for a couple days and then it went away. Hmm. And I think it's because maybe I was playing a lot of Elden Ring at the time or something, but um, I wonder if there are some things you can do positionally, agronomically with your thumbs that maybe over time, you know, don't hurt. Yeah. Them. I mean, I'm sure that there are some design aesthetics that need to be taken into account. I know that like Nintendo is infamous for having like the most terrible ergonomics of any yeah. controller. Like, like I, I like that the switch has like the, you know, the joy cons and stuff, but like that, that is not a comfortable controller to play with long-term. Now, thankfully I've never had any controller related injuries since the late nineties when I would get blisters on my palm uh, rotating the thumbstick on a Nintendo 64. Yeah. Like Mario Party or some other game that Exactly. That. You got to wind up that shy guy so that you can get the longest flight time. And then you'd see all like the white powder in that little hexagon or whatever, or octagon where all the, because <laughs> it's wearing oh. off. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah. So I think that's it with the Gundam stuff I got into this week. I know I got my shipping notice for the Robot Spirits uh blue destiny and a freak so i'm super excited about that so that those will be reviews coming up soon awesome um, okay so let's uh let's move on to this other topic here and that's gonna be premium bandai stuff coming out nice there's so, some good ones in this release yeah yeah like for instance i think the ones that stand out for me are the lindworm and the g-line standard armor yeah and is this g-line standard armor like the first time the g-line is being made as a no this is a reissue because remember the g-line was released late last year as well uh um, oh, now so i think okay i think i actually missed out on this one but i know that uh you know our mutual friend zionic shadow picked one up Okay, that's see, that's what I was thinking of. That so, this is just a re-release of that, which it looks awesome. It's an awesome robot. Um, yeah, I'm probably I gonna mean, pick this up. I'm thinking about it. We'll see. I, I've, so, I've pre-ordered a, a little too much recently to, uh, oh. <laughs> to commit to another. But you know, obviously, I, I love anything that's representative of 0081. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask about that because I even pulled up like. Yeah, it's introduced in 0081, and so that's a game that you totally dig, um, yeah. and I need to get good. Um, but was <laughs> that mean, the first? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, was that the first time the G-Line was introduced? Yeah, so there's uh, three variants of the G-Line. Obviously, there's the standard armor, there's the light armor one that has, like, the red shoulder plates, and then there's, like, the, the heavily armed one that has the shoulder cannons. Um, it would be cool if they, you know eventually come out with the light armor and the assault armor uh variants but um yeah, they... yeah you and i need to definitely hop on and stream some more 0081 i remember we were stuck on on that mission that was like one of the bonus like the dlc missions where you actually have to hunt down on volgato yeah and then he like <laughs> just show up and destroy us all or something oh yeah it was it was a massacre yeah we got we got to do that again and i need to i need to practice um a little bit more because that it's a good game it's got a good story because i think that's a pivotal story moment because it's like what's really going on right after the one-year war you know yeah like, ah, so that that stuff is cool um okay the other one on here 
is the lindworm. And we were talking about this a little bit before we started, but um, this is just top tier design, in my opinion. Um, In terms of the edgier side of UC Gundam, as you know, Zeta kind of introduced things being literally edgy. Um, (laughs) And and I guess like the Bawu, which is a favorite of yours, this kind of, the, I guess the Zeta line ended up creating a Bawu. And then yeah. this is from Build Fighters, where I guess the builder gets a Bawu and makes it look like a Zeta. Yeah, essentially. Um, it is like a Bawu and a Zeta had a baby, which, you know, you know, I love that. That's like my <laughs> yeah. two favorite mobile suits. That's true. And, um, and you said you have this also, right? Yeah, I haven't built it. Um, You know, it was one of those, again, a re-release that stay on top of these P-Bandai re-releases. I can't stress this enough. I feel like I am, you know, doing amateur marketing work for them because between the the, the 0088 and like the Varguil that were released in the last drop, now you're getting the Lindworm and the the G-Line again. These are, these are amazing kits that like, I mean, I don't want to miss out on them, but I also don't want to be broke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've, and I've, it's funny, I've gone a little while without pre ordering a kit. Uh, so I might, I think I might grab this one too. And I was looking at the forearm and it looks like it's like the leg of the Mark II. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It kind of has yeah. that, it's an interesting cut there. Yeah. Like That's maybe they cool. took the high grade legs and stuck them on the arms. Yeah. <laughs> And I like the um, like the flight backpack looking thing. Um, it reminds me of some of the cool designs out of Seed, you know, where they have those little. Definitely. Yeah, this is a great looking robot. Um, mm-hmm. I even think those like third party ones that have been coming out recently, like third party like non Gundam, they just look like a Gundam. Look like this. Yeah, I would yeah. say so. Um, no, that's that's another one that is re- super popular right now. Is that uh, that monument that was announced? The third party tall geese. Oh yeah, that actually looks really good. <laughs> it looks really really good. All right, and then you shared some pics with me about this. Uh, okay, so this is something that looks like, and it's kind of based on the design of the well, where the lindworm came from anyway, because it's Bawu and what else. Uh, I guess it's basically just like a Federation version of a Bawu because it's got that kind of visor that you would see on like the Rizel or, you know, maybe like one of the Delta lines. Yeah. But it, it does retain most of the Bawu look to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know what? It's like, again, every time I feel like I prefer a V-fin over <laughs> just a single blade there. But that shield, that's like that looks like the Toadsrider shield. Is that used on anything else? Um, I think it's just the Bawu shield. So, like, oh. yeah, the the Ritter uses it as well. But um, so is the Ritter shield then just from a Bawu? I would assume so. Okay, so that's how that worked. Okay, yeah, I like mm-hmm. I like the way that looks. Um, and then the other one you sent me was, I guess, someone made a custom. Yeah, looks like oh. like an Amuro Ray custom, uh, Bawu. Wow. Yeah, that it looks great, especially seeing this like recent artwork of the Amaro's what is it the is it the Rick DJ what one am I thinking of no not the Rick DJ the um yeah one of the DJs for the moon era oh yeah um I I think that it was the Rick DJ 
okay maybe it is okay like i love like the recent art from uc engage coming out with that like it's neat how designs that i'm not necessarily too interested in when it's an armor array custom it just it looks <laughs> cool all of a sudden i don't know if it's the primary colors and it's like reaching in and grabbing my childhood and being <laughs> like you like primary colors probably i mean there's something to be said about that um and, yeah. and i mean all of the I'm not even a huge Amaro fan, but like the Zero Shiki that has the Amaro Ray custom, like that looks awesome. The yeah. the Amaro Ray custom Rigazi looks awesome. Oh, like, yeah. you know, the, whenever an Amaro Ray custom drops, I'm like, man, why yeah. do I have to like Char? <laughs> <laughs> Paint it red. Yeah, I think you have to. You don't want to get a colony drop. But no, it, there is something, yeah, about that, the, that Amaro Ray color look. It's almost like, after the original Gundam, those colors are more of a Amaro thing. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, oh, okay. It definitely so, does give you an appreciation for designs that maybe you didn't appreciate before. Like, like I, I typically don't gravitate towards the DJ generally. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I, but I think when it's in the right hands, and I think we've seen that with the Gundam shows, where like an old suit that looks a little weird, we, we see in later versions like what like how thunderbolt takes old designs and just makes them work without yeah going too far just adding more detail as the technology allows them exactly just yeah. just reimagined yeah no exactly um let's see um looking at chat here oh zionic shadow showed up good to see you johnny tacoma yeah please stop <laughs> saying robot <Jane> Mo. <laughs> <laughs> i like robot you know it, it's funny how that was growing up like i liked robot stuff but i felt like there was never any really good stuff uh, until you know gundam that's really weird how there was that divide of robot stuff all through the 80s and 90s uh, between like american or western stuff and japanese stuff like completely I think different it, it does help having like an alternative nomenclature associated with a robot because typically like i don't consider myself enjoying like ro giant robots generally it's like oh no i like mobile suits or you know like i like the uh um uh what you call them from from pat labor but um or, or uh, neck. yeah or, or like the valkyries from um from macross it's like i like having a mech term that isn't just robot oh i see what you're saying yeah i yeah i know what you mean because it's robot is like I guess an assumption that something is man-made out of metal and powered by electricity that then has its own automation to some degree. Not that it's a fully conscious thing, but it has a function. Yeah. And uh, um, Jangmo in chat says Megazord was good, which like Zords is always cool. Oh like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's and Zoid, and Zoids. Um, yeah, and I guess it goes back to the idea that the the root of the word robot is slave, right? So it's like. When I think of when I think of a robot, I typically think of like, you know, one of these mechs that's designed for like manual labor. Like I think of like a droid from Star Wars, you know, um, what would you say about power loader or is that more of a augmentation of a human? I, I, I still give that credit. The power loader is pretty sweet. It is. That, <laughs> and that's funny because, yeah, like when I say like I grew up liking robots, it's like I liked robots, but it, just like I guess anyone would. But like when I saw the power loader, I was like, okay, now that's a robot. 
or yeah. um, Exo Squad when that came oh, out. Exo I was like, Squad was so awesome. That's a robot. Yeah, and then um, and then later with Lost Planet, there's always these gaps with what I've thought were good robots, and I think what oh yeah, Vital Suit is a pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it it really was. Um, once like the the concept of riding and controlling it is I think what sells me on loving a robot. Like if, if it's a robot, but mech, I think mech is just the best all around term. Exactly. And you can even see that. I think that that's the reason that like mecha is the term in Japanese media. Whereas oh, yeah. in the West, you know, we, we de default to robots and it's like, you get robot jocks. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's a good call. Or I robot. Like, I think that's a better association in the West here. Like where, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it works that way. Even though it, yeah, if the root word is slave or the root, you know, original meaning that works for something like I robot. That's why right. I think there's a better delineation to say like Mecca. Exactly. Know, out of that. Yeah. That's no, that that's actually pretty cool. Um, so sorry, but it's a weird tangent. <laughs> No, it's a good tangent because really I ran out of topics. So yeah, we can continue to go down this tangent. Because like, what are so for instance, um, Pacific Rim, right? The I don't uh, like it's a cool concept, and I don't care that I don't like the designs, but I don't like the designs. Like, <laughs> they're not bad, but it's not like wow, that is an amazing mecha. Like, yeah, I mean. Personally, I think that like the Gypsy Danger is kind of flat and you know boring. I think that uh, Cherno Alpha, the Russian one, that was awesome looking because it it evokes that that feeling of like um, Russian brutalism. You know what I mean? So it's like oh, it's okay. almost like the Jaegers that were created by the other countries had much more personality and much more like flavor infused into them than just like. Uh, the gypsy danger and then what was the other one like sh sh uh avenger or something i don't i don't remember yeah, all that, the names that from. sounds right or something yeah because I, I watched the first one and i don't think i saw the second one it, it and it's funny because like when i first heard of pacific rim i was like yeah that's that's what i would like and then when i watched it i was like yeah like i watched it once okay. you know <laughs> usually when i like a movie i watch it multiple times um but um so, you know, what's interesting, too, is when I think of other Western robot type stuff, um, there's it's another James Cameron thing. But like T2, you know, like when you see that battle at the beginning, we have those exoskeletons. I think that's what they called them. Yeah. Like, so that's what's interesting. And I and other Gundam has done this where it's a robot, but there's not a person in it. And I wonder, like, at the end of the day. I, I, it would be interesting if that was a push and I, that they do this in some Gundam, like it doesn't wing do that where they have the dolls or something. Isn't there like a, yeah, uh, the mobile dolls, the AI yeah. controlled, um, you know, Mecca. I, I really like, and you know, going back to sort of uh, Cameron and eighties movies, yeah. I like how in RoboCop, they don't have, they don't have like a term for the robotics. It's like everything is just called whatever its model name is. Like yeah. Ed 209, Ed 209 is not a robot. He's not a mech. Ed 209 is Ed 209. He is like the mobile police unit, the autonomous mobile police unit, you know, like, yeah. um, and then I think in the, the RoboCop remake, they had the Ed 208s, which were like the humanoid versions. Um, 
I love that. I love just calling things what they are instead of like having a a broad category to stuff them into. Right. And I they did a good job of that. And I forget what the guy's name was in Robocop 2, but it was interesting because it was another again, it wasn't where they had a human that they augmented because they were damaged. It was where they kind of tried to take the consciousness of this guy. Oh, yeah. Brain. Kane. And, yeah, Kane, right. And yeah, Robo Kane. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's cool. That's like another way to go about it. Uh, you know, like the it's like that line between robot and human. In Gundam, you've got humans piloting the mecha. In Terminator, you've got these skeletons that are just or the exoskeletons that T one thousands that are. I think that's what it was, right? T eight hundred. Well, T eight hundred was the yeah. Terminator. T one thousand. That was the liquid. Dude. Um, yeah. Oh so, man, did you ever go to that like Universal Studio? Was a Universal Studios ride where like. Yeah where Arnold introduces you to like the T1 million, which was yeah. Was it like name for to be a sequel or something like, but its own thing, like it's own yeah, story. It was like this ride that, yeah. yeah. It was so yeah, dumb. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ultron was in chat says a uh, Robocane powered by drugs. <laughs> which, yeah. True. Yeah. One it, of the things that's cool about Robocop too. And I think that this is going to relate, I think in terms of like Gundam and video games for that matter is one of the things that, like the whole reason the conflict in RoboCop 2 is the fact that they were trying to catch lightning in a bottle twice by making a RoboCop 2. And so it's like they have those those failed RoboCops where that they're trying to make. It's like one of them steps out and shoots one of the scientists and like the other one pulls his head off and yeah, falls like over and dies. And yeah, like <laughs> that's why so it's it's funny because when you have a hit, when you have a franchise that does so well and then you try too hard to to recreate that magic what i don't care that whether it's a video game an anime like sometimes you just can't do it twice you know yeah and i think robocop 2 worked because the idea was like well we'll just remake the first one and just yeah. make sure it has all of those beats the satire the extreme you know like cartoony extreme moments to kind of uh, contrast the violence with the humanity of you know the robocop dude himself um yeah and yeah because like i like I, we were talking a few months ago because you had watched it recently i had watched them recently and i was like these movies hold up well and the fact that the sequel was made by irvin kershner of empire strikes back yeah the sequel doctor himself like yeah, <laughs> i know it's yeah it's amazing well, and of course um you know rogue city had just come out um the robocop oh, yeah, video game which like you know, yeah. as far as video game adaptations of films or other franchises go, you know, more of that, please. You know, like what? Yeah. Yeah, that was, you know, unfortunately, it wasn't gameplay I like in video games. But if like I was a RoboCop mega fan, like I'm just enough of a RoboCop fan where I played through that longer than most Bethesda games. But it. But if I was a mega fan, I would like for the aliens, colonial Marines, the really bad one made by gearbox. <laughs> yeah. I was mad, but I played through it like five times and I would go look in the world at Hadley's <laughs> hope and be like, Oh yeah, there's this, there's that from the movie. Like I liked that stuff. And yeah, yeah, there's, there's something to be said about getting a creator who's so passionate about the source material that, you know, they're willing to compromise 
<laughs> I say it's like they're willing to compromise the gameplay. It's like they're they're really almost willing to compromise their own art in order to make sure that the source material is done justice. Yeah. And I know that that sounds weird to say because, you know, you're like, well, why would you want to make a bad like Gundam game? It's like, no, you're not making a bad Gundam game. You're making a a video game that by other standards would be considered bad, but for a Gundam fan, it is a true love letter to the franchise. Yeah, I would even say like, you know, Battlefront 2. Like it's it's yeah. gameplay wasn't anything unique, but for a sort of encyclopedic Star Wars game that's all about the battles, which is why I like Star Wars, like that lets you just relive that stuff. Moment the moment because yeah. it has the music, the sound effects, like and the controls like yeah, if a game has good enough controls, like if if, if I'm invested in the world, I'll play it. And I think and I think Bandai knows that. Yeah. And not just with Gundam, but even like some of the other IPs they have, like they're never amazing revolutionary games, but they do what they need to in that world to give people that. And I think that that ties into why they've canceled some of those upcoming titles is that yeah. they probably don't meet that standard that that they're trying to hold in, in account. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's a good point. Um yeah. Hey, circles back to games. We can never. <laughs> it always does. I mean, I know. I know. Um, so, well, then maybe let's shift this to movies. I know we we're just talking about some movies, but like, you know, in the 90s, were there any robot movies? Like, uh, like in terms of Mecca, I should say, were there any Mecca movies? Like, um, you know, riding a robot. Why is that rare? in in the u.s it's a good question i mean i'm sure that a lot of as far as films go you know there's budget limitations so like yeah maybe know, that's that, what it is maybe it's hard to pull off someone riding a robot um and and then i wonder because you get stuff like robocop where the audience enjoys someone behind a helmet where you don't get too much of their humanity it comes in subtly and then you get things like master chief where He's behind a helmet the whole time because you can be that. And I feel like that's the point. You're kind of anchored or grounded in that mech because there is a human behind it. Even though you don't see them, you can kind of anchor yourself into that. So, yeah. And you know what? That's a very that's a very good point, because I know that now um, Pierce Rayer from Rise from oh, the Ashes, the Dreamcast game. Yeah. I know that now he has a canonical appearance, but in the video game, they never show Pierce Rayer. No. You you are playing as Pierce Rayer, but like they really allowed you to inhabit that role and make it yourself, which is super cool because it's not even like there was a character creation screen where it's like, I'm going to give my character dark hair like I have and I'm going to give yeah. him the green eyes and then, and then I'm going to make sure that his face is, you know, just it's like, no, 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 we're not even going to go through all that trouble. You're in a mech anyway. Just be you in the mech. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so. I wonder if then that's what maybe has been the hard part of those films being made, you know, because, and again, it could be just me. Maybe we have this little Japanese culture virus or something where it's like, we like Japan has embraced Mecca, like people piloting robots, but yeah, in the U S no. And I can't, I, I can't wrap my head around it because it seems like the most obvious cool thing. Well, and it, um, What's the name of the actor who's playing Master Chief in the series? Pablo. Oh. 
Schreier um, or Schreiber Schreier. or something like that. Schreiber, Schreiber. Yeah. Um, so I remember he said, like, yo, you know, we have to we have to unmask Master Chief so that you can see oh, his emotions. And it's one of those things where I know that, you know, that was like a huge deal on Twitter. People were posting like clips from Halo, like say, saying like, see, look, you can see um, Master Chief's emotions without him taking his helmet off. But I think that one of the things that the Gundam anime has done a really good job of, and even some of the video games, is you can almost sense some of the emotion behind a mobile suit that, you know, sometimes it's just like a subtle head turn or something like, you know, they don't have these... Um, and, and it's part of the reason why I don't consider myself an anime fan. I consider myself a Gundam fan is because yeah. typically anime involves a lot of gesticulating and like over the top gestures and emoting. But something about Gundam series is you can almost see disappointment from a mobile suit. And it's not even it's not like they slouch the mobile suit's shoulders like oh, I'm sad. Yeah, it's just like there's like a subtle turn or like they hold a pose for a little too long. Um, yeah. I, I really love that kind of stuff. I think even I just rewatched um, the new translation movies, oh, yeah. you know, uh, the Zeta Gundam movies. And like, there are certain points where like the Zeta Gundam is just kind of hanging there. And it's like, Oh man, like I can see that Camille's upset. I don't have to see his face to know he's upset. I, it's like, I see it in the mobile suit. Yeah. I love that because it's like BT. I think the name in, in um, Titanfall, like it yeah. was a little emo more emotive. But I and I thought like and I was I've always thought I, I think I brought it up here that like in the live action Gundam movie, I think they need to juxtapose scenes of the RX-78 too, like as the characters are talking, maybe he's in the background as they're talking about something and the way he's shaped or positioned or his head. It's like kind of adds to the emotion, even though it's just a robot, but to kind of link Amaro's struggles with the machine that's driving his struggles. You know, it's I I think that would be. I think it's important, you know, um, it, yeah. it's, it's kind of, I think what kids do and why they get into like things like Grogu or minions, because it's something that doesn't yeah. really have a full like personality or something you can necessarily relate to, but it's something you could project yourself onto because it's cuteness. It's happy. It's, you know, um, but I want to go back cause you brought up master chief or you brought up <laughs> the, the halo show and yeah, I, saw like the first three episodes of the first season and I didn't like it because they were, they were like making up a story that wasn't part of Halo, which that's fine when they're adapting, but it was too far out to something else where they were using too much tropey television storytelling instead of being a Halo story. <laughs> yeah. But I started the second season and the first episode has probably the sickest action of a video game translated to a show i've ever seen not that the first halo show did it good um but then it goes into a lot of um master chief or john wearing just like normal clothes <laughs> and it's like but i wonder like i have to like really be honest with myself like is this a matter of in order for this to be broadly accepted as a show with this budget you, we have to kind of be tropey with the storytelling or is it where they're not taking their time to really make that sort of faceless, quiet avatar be the center? It, and I go back to look at like Evil Dead 2, where most of that movie is Bruce Campbell by himself, not even talking. <laughs> you know, like he's just yelling and stuff. Which, which is great because it's like he's such a character 
that that you know he could carry a movie it, it it's a lot like uh that movie castaway like castaway is oh, yeah. almost silent the entire time because it's just tom hanks on an island by himself and you know maybe he says one or two things he starts talking to wilson or whatever but like carrying using just your body and just your emotions to carry a story is really impressive um and i think that you know with the with the halo show they saw something in like the mandalorian and the fact that like uh din could carry a show without taking his mask off and he could be this stoic character but ultimately i think that halo doesn't work as a tv show because the stories in halo are movie length you know like the first halo video game uh, and i'm i'm not super deep into the halo lore but i do i do love the stories of the video games yeah same here there's no point where it's like he has downtime where he like goes back to the ship and takes his suit off and stuff like that but you can't do that in a tv show you can't have just non-stop action and like but the whole quest that he's going on in the first halo video game it's like of course he would never take his suit off like he never gets a chance to stop and talk to other characters it's almost like a non-stop like a dude where's my car where they're constant the whole movie is them having to or harold and kumar or something where it's like they have to go on this adventure the entire time right they don't they don't get to change their clothes they don't get to like you know sit down and have a meal or anything like that it's like you know, did Odysseus take his arm? Well, no, he did take his armor off because he slept with a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of women during uh, the Odyssey. But um, no, I mean, it, there's those. So, I think should be films. They should be feature length films. Okay, and so it does seem like then that if if they were to really take their time on writing it, they could write something where Master Chief just has his helmet on the whole time. Because it's about the the world and the characters act reacting to him because he's the master chief. He is going to save people. He's going to kill the bad guys. And then everyone else is giving the story. And they could have done that so easily. And I feel bad because I like the actor that's playing Master Chief. I, yeah, I think that I, was a Alan Richson, though, <laughs> the guy from Reacher. It's like he looks more like what you would assume, you know, uh Master of Chief would look like. But uh, yeah, I it, and so I'm conflicted, but at the end of the day, I think because there's examples of things written where the main character oh, uh, is it Fury Road? Uh, the um, oh, yeah, the Mad, Mad Max movie, Max, yeah, where uh, what's his name, Max, um, Tom Hardy, yeah, Mad yeah. Max, he's he barely talks in it. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was one of those instances of a bit of a bait and switch because obviously they called the movie Mad Max Fury Road, but the movie was about Furiosa. Right. And I don't, here's the thing. It's like, I don't think that it was a bad movie. I think no. Furiosa is a, is a super compelling character. Yeah. But if it were, if they had just called it Fury Road and said it was set in the Mad Max universe, no one would have gone and seen it. That's why, yeah, this next one is now called Furiosa, actually. Yeah. That they're making. So, which is cool, but like, yeah, yeah, you know, I think that to your point, you you can you can use that that title character as like an emblematic, you know, almost like a plot point instead of a character. They could have easily made it where Cortana was more of that that character that is expositioning and setting up the relation between the world and the Master Chief. Uh, yeah, which would be great because Cortana you know, is your only companion in that game. You know, it's funny because 
if you think about it, Halo has a lot in common with a lot of like Legend of Zelda titles where, you know, you play as Link and Link never talks. You only hear yeah. Link grunt and ah, yeah, yeah. But he yeah. always has a companion with him, whether it's Navi or Midna or right. Fi. You know, Cortana is that like mentor companion that travels with Master Chief, and she's the one that does all the talking and all of the exposition. So I think you're onto something there. Yeah, I think it could definitely be done. And I think it's it maybe it's a challenge for writers, but I bet it's when the executives see how come this character never talks, we don't see him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, because that's the words. Yeah, these executives don't play Halo, right? You know, yeah. It's, I even think <laughs> they just goes back that. to what we were saying about video games. It's like but, you know, the publishers don't play video games. The yeah. publishers just but, you know count the beans. I want to see even when they were making Halo, didn't they say some of the production team didn't play it on purpose to like be able to kind of do their own thing? But I don't know. that's that's a terrible philosophy. I'm pretty sure that like there's. I, I've seen way too many of these um of these compilations of like people that are like, oh yeah, you know, I didn't even read the comic books before I started working on this, you know, Marvel movie, or like no, of course I never watched the old TV show before I wrote this movie adaptation. Like I just don't understand how or why you would do that. Yeah, in uh Eoshi-san is saying they canned the first season writers. Oh, okay. So it would be cool to see then what happens. Um, because then you got to ask, and I think this is with any IP. It's like, okay, if you're making a Halo TV show, what is neat about Halo that then you would put on screen? What is it? If it's the fighting, and that's, oh, okay, well, they got that, actually. The action scenes, they got that. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it's... Uh, I, I suggest people to check out that first episode of the Halo season two just yeah. because like the the fighting is badass like i i'm shocked like i almost want to say that it was like okay guys we just got to make some badass halo looking action whatever story filler you have to throw in there just do it <laughs> yeah and I, I think a lot of times the the ultimate solution and this is one of the things that gundam has done so well is you write stories in the universe without using the characters that people know and love from the franchise oh, already yeah you know don't make a video game about Amuro Ray. Make a video game about Pierce Ray or make a video game about Hugh Corand, you know, these side story characters. I think the Halo TV show would have been much more successful if it were just about some of the Marines. You know, if it were like if it was like Band of Brothers, but set in the Halo universe. Oh. You know, because then you can point. go you can go crazy with it. Like ha have fun. Don't you, then you're no longer shackled to you know, trying to uphold this. Yeah. This make it icon. just the stories about this core group of master chief with his Marines trying to make it across the battlefield. Like, yeah. yeah. And maybe yeah. they encounter master chief and he helps them with a couple of battles, but like, you know, it, it, that goes into what you were saying where it's like, he's not the focal point. Uh, he's not the protagonist. He's just, you know, a part of the story. Yeah. That is interesting. That, that is interesting. Um, well, that just about does it then. Yeah, that's uh, that's it. For this. this was great because, yeah, I think midway through, I was like, okay, all my topics are talked about, but we yeah, we saved it. <laughs> I think so. Halo. Yeah, we, we can hold it down. We can probably go for another hour, honestly. I know. It just, <laughs> just one little one little thing can trigger a whole bunch of discussion. But Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Get me talking about movies and video games, and I'll start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, 
thanks everyone that joined. Um, yeah, glad you could be here. Uh, check the links in the description for supporter stuff for Steven's channel. If you missed the show yesterday, we really dive deep into like some video game stuff, live service stuff. It was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, so Steven, anything else? Are we good? No, I think you nailed it. Thank you guys so much. And thank you for, for all of the uh, chat and, and for yeah. always fact-checking us. I appreciate you I, keeping uh, us honest. <laughs> <I know. laughs> see you guys later. Cool guys. Yep. See y'all.